Gus, welcome to Real Talk with Star Scorpio. How you doing today? I'm doing well, Peter. It's nice to see you again, as usual. Go way back, and it's it's great to be here. Yeah, Gus, I just want to say for the people before, I'm going to have you introduce yourself. But before we do, I just want to say, I was going to say we're longtime friends, but we're practically family, man. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. All the people that we grew up back in the days with, from Donview to VP to George S. Henry, we're all family. We're all connected. So, and uh, thanks for doing this today. No, no problem. No problem. I, I, yeah, like those are some fun memories of, you know, our days growing up uh, together and playing basketball. And like, those are some really tremendous memories that uh, I feel like the older we get, right, the more those <laughs> those mean so much more because the time goes on, right? So you, you got it. You got it. All right. So Gus, Gus Gymnopolis. Introduce yourself. Let let the people know what you do because we have a connection to a little family connection um, with the Wigan side. But um, let me let me know what you do. Yeah, yeah. So um, currently, right now, I'm in my. I, I mean, I hate to say this, but I'm in my twentieth uh, year of teaching, um, and uh, I teach at the old Bond Secondary School, which is now called Hoden Nalea Secondary School. The school went through a name change uh, last year. Um, so I teach there and I coach the uh, men's prep team. And then I also kind of oversee the entire prep program, um, where we're starting to like coordinate, uh, certain elements of it. And then I'm also, um, I run my own basketball company called dynamic basketball, where I do a lot of camps and training for our young kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am also, uh, coaching my two kids teams. Um, yeah. and I, and I'm also the BioSteel all Canadian game, uh, selection committee chair for both the men's and the women's side. So I've, I've been quite busy in the last, uh, little while. So okay. it's, it's been good. It's been good, but it's busy, but good. So Gus, let's start from the beginning. I know, you know, about you and stuff, but let the people know where were you born and raised? So I was born in Toronto. I was born in, um, you know, just like we're near where we grew up, uh, going to school together. Um, and I was raised in that neighborhood, which is the old, you know, Victoria Park and Ellesmere slash York Mills area, Parkwoods Plaza, um, grew up uh, in that area playing basketball at Roywood Park with, uh, you know, all those guys that we grew up with and, you know, um, a good neighborhood. Um, it was a, a good neighborhood and it was a combination of a tough neighborhood and a good neighborhood at the same time. Yeah. And that like you really had to learn as a youngster to navigate, you know, you know, hooping with older guys and like seeing things, you know, that normally you wouldn't see um, as a young person and then kind of navigating those relationships. So it was, it was great growing up in that neighborhood. That's where we met. And uh, you know, I have some really fun memories of it. Yeah. And you know, back in the days, playing ball outside, it really honed my skills, you know, playing with the older guys. And I think that's what you're alluding to. Even your brother, Alex, who I'm going to have on the show, the skills were just impeccable by some of the people we know um, in the hood. Yeah. You know, I, I feel like, I feel like that sort of, you know, learning, natural learning, it, it doesn't really exist as much anymore. Now, I don't want to sound like an old head, just mm-hmm. making that, you know, those comments about, oh, back in my day. But uh, I feel like, especially with basketball, it's so organized these days. Mm-hmm. And kids are constantly playing with adults where they're doing the work for the kid. And the kid is trying to develop, uh, you know, solely on their skill. But when we grew up playing in a, yeah. in a different era mm-hmm. where we didn't have that structure, yeah. we learned how to navigate and to self-organize and to, you know, 
develop relationships with people that were older than you from a different part of the world just it just was just so different um you know and it made us kind of grow up real quick yes and then from a basketball standpoint i mean you know if you lost the game you're waiting an hour to play again yeah yeah they're <laughs> mad at you for not you know, closing out on a guy and he hit that, you know so then you know all, you have to navigate all that and it, it was great it was great you know i have fond memories of those times mm -hmm. and in high school so you went to vic park um first how were you in school um and also did you play on the high school basketball team because i think you did right i was a little bit older than you yeah you were a couple of years older than me and i ended up playing for all five years of my high school career at victoria park a secondary school mm -hmm. uh, just in north york um i played senior from grade nine i never played junior i started out right off with the senior team played with guys like um you know uh, scotty belasco and mike yeah. chisholm and yeah all those guys are tremendously athletic, um, you know, and then we kind of got a little bit, as I, as those guys graduated, moved on to, you know, God, like uh, guys like uh, John Reed, rest his soul, and Derek Parker and Arby Shanazarian and guys that were closer to my generation. And we moved through those uh, five years at Victoria Park Secondary School. And uh, unfortunately for us at the time, you know, we were as talented and as athletic as, you know, Bathurst Heights, <laughs> which was our nemesis, but they just were so much more organized and disciplined um, mm -hmm. because of the basketball culture they had at that school that we can never really get over that hurdle. Yeah. Um, we were as good as they were, as talented, but just not as organized yeah. and disciplined, right? So we, you know, unfortunately for us, we had to always run into them and we couldn't get out of North York. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, Wait, so. were, you in, were you in Vic Park when Philip Dixon was playing for Bathurst? He's a little, he was, so I came in grade nine just as he had graduated. Oh. But we had heard of the legend of Phil Dixon at that time and shooting threes from half court and all that. So everyone knew who Phil Dixon was, but yeah. I was a little bit younger. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And um, I just have to slide this in here because I said it many times in my podcast. Do you remember our dunk off in Vic Park? I do, I do, and I remember that my vertical was not even even half of yours. So don't, I don't have the greatest <laughs> memories of that of that day. But you know, for for all of your viewers, um, I say this to people all the time: like you still, in my mind, were the first. Well, actually, you're two firsts for me, Peter. And what I mean, by, what I mean by that is that you were the first guy that actually had like crazy vertical bounce that I remember clearly, and I remember you know you doing a standing vertical reverse kind of where you you cocked yeah. it down and you went behind your head from standing vertical yeah and I, I i i'm taller than you and i was like i couldn't believe you did that mm -hmm. and then you were also the first guy that we knew at that time that had a, a, a like a relative that was in the nba yeah it's mitch wiggins for the houston rockets and i remember you telling us like Mitch Wiggins, Houston Rockets, and we were all blown away because at that time, like, you know, kids in Toronto, like, you didn't have, there was no guy that knew a guy from the NBA. Yeah, yeah. Like, it was just unheard of as, yeah. as compared to today where, you know, you oh, kids yeah. today might even train with a guy from the NBA in the same gym, on the same court, which is, so it's, the game has really changed, right? So that was kind of cool. But I do remember that dunk contest, and I do remember, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, you were, you were, a better dunker than me let's just put that right out there it's not even a comparison so i'm okay with that yo thanks for that but i gotta tell you i think you saved me because your first dunk was a windmill dunk my dunk was a 360 and i hung on the rim and they disqualified me 
and I was upset. I went in the change room. I don't know if you spoke to someone for me, but then they said, you're still in, you get your second dunk and all that. Yeah, so. it was silly. Like, I mean, to disqualify somebody from a from a, a dunk contest for hanging on the rim and trying to be like a little bit more flamboyant and just trying to, you know, pump up the crowd, right? Like, mm-hmm. it was silly. And, um, you know, how, why they do that sort of thing, like, I mean... Who knows? But uh, I do remember it, um, and it was it was fun. It was fun for sure. Nice, nice. Okay, now after high school, where did you go? And did you know what you wanted to do? Was basketball always your trajectory, your path? Yeah. So after high school, I remember being in my fifth year at Vic Park, and I remember having a because I was a dual sport athlete. Actually, I played three sports. I played uh, football, basketball, and baseball. Okay. So in my in my fifth year of high school. My baseball coach, my basketball coach, um, and my football coach all wanted me to return for my sixth year. Because back in those days, our victory lap was our, our sixth year, right? As compared okay. to these days where the victory lap is, is the fifth year. Okay. The post-grad year. And uh, I just remember being done with high school. I remember feeling like, although I, I think we would have had a great ball team coming back for year six because we had a lot of talented athletes uh, come to the school the year before I just felt like I was done with it a lot of my friends were moving on and I, I, I couldn't envision myself going back for another year of high school yeah. I really wanted to move on um, at the time I was recruited by the University of Toronto Ryerson and uh, Laurentian um, coming out of high school for CIS I mean to get to the division one level back then was I found it was a little bit more challenging but um, the reality was I, I don't think I was good enough uh, as a basketball player to to get to that to that really ultra high level um i was an okay player you know medium of the road type of guy um in terms of that level so i ended up going to the cis and then i ended up um i really i felt like i, I wanted to move away from home so okay. i ended up applying to concordia university and i made a couple of phone calls to the head coach over there a guy by the name of john Dorr. And he didn't really know me, but he made a couple of calls to some of the, you know, you know, all these CIS coaches at the time. Okay. Um, they know each other. Mm-hmm. Now it's called U Sports, but back then it was called CIS. So they made a couple of phone calls and I actually packed up uh, my family minivan with my parents. What? And we literally just drove to Montreal. We didn't okay. know where we were going to live. I didn't know if I was going to be on the ball team. All I know is I got an acceptance letter from the university. Mm-hmm. And uh, here we are in the summertime, like late August, moving to Montreal. And we literally got there and we started doing apartment shopping at that time. And we, we drove around to 30 or 40 different places. We finally landed on a place. A couple of days later, I, w- I went into the Concordia walk-in tryout. <clears throat> and uh, fortunately for me, I actually made the team. And then yeah. I spent my five years uh, playing for the men's basketball team uh, at Concordia University in Montreal. Oh, nice, man. It was a risk, though. It was a risk. It was an I, actual risk. Without risk, reward, man. I, I like that. Yeah. I like that. I didn't know that. Um, mm-hmm. And what did you study while you were in Concordia? So I studied, I had a, believe it or not, I had a major in economics, and then I had a minor in math, mathematics. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in my, you know, in my third year of university, I tore my uh, left ACL because my plan at the time was to, to try to play pro basketball in Greece because I'm Greek and my parents were born in Greece and I was going to apply for like a Greek uh, passport to be able okay. to play as a local. Cause back then they had rules where, you know, international players, there's only a couple. And then the rest of the people on the team were local. So I thought I could compete with the Greek guys. Mm-hmm. Obviously I'm not going to compete with the American guys. I wasn't good <laughs> enough. 
Um, yeah, I thought okay. I could do it. And then I tore my ACL when I was in my third year. And I kind of, I kind of knew at that moment that my, my basketball career was done. So what that led me to do is it led me to focus more on my academics <laughs> and start to kind of feel like, you know, what am I going to do uh, after basketball? Because that injury really hurt me. And, um, you know, my athleticism was cut in half, uh, you know, you wow. lose your quickness, your, you know, that whole bit. So, um, so I ended up uh, thinking about teaching. I wanted to stay involved in the game of basketball, but at the same time, I couldn't picture myself being in a corporate environment or working at a bank or sitting like at a teller. Like I just couldn't picture myself doing that. I was too much like a too, too high energy for that sort of life. And I, I thought teaching would be the ultimate sort of combination of you could still coach and be involved with, with young kids. And at the same time, it's not as boring uh, for yeah. me. Yeah. Um, you know, I didn't want to be in the financial or corporate world. And I, and that's how that journey kind of began. And what, wait, what age is this now that you're talking about? That was in, I tore my ACL in my third year university right at the start of the year. We were actually playing Ryerson and I, I drove left and I, I came to a jump stop tore the ACL. I was 21 years old and I was in my Ooh. third year of university in 97. Mm. Um, and that sort of was a blessing in disguise, to be honest with you, because, you know, I, at the end of the day, I wasn't a good enough player to make a substantial living playing basketball. Like I'm, I'll be the first to admit it. I'm not ashamed of it. I was a decent player, but I was not at that level to get any significant compensation from playing this sport. So it, it was actually a blessing because it helped me refocus my life into a direction that I'm still doing today. And 21 years later, 20 years later, 21 years later, I'm still doing it. So it's, it's interesting how the, that divergent path occurs, right, mm -hmm. as a young person. Wow, I'm hearing, I'm learning your story for the first time. I like this. Mm -hmm. Okay, and now we get into Vaughn Collegiate. So how did that start? Let me know. So it didn't actually start right at Vaughn. Um, I, I, when, I, when I finished Teachers College at the University of Toronto, I, um, I applied or I got a, a job in Regent Park. So I, okay. I worked at a school called Nelson Mandela Park Public School for three years where I taught uh, physical education. And okay. those were some of the best you know, those are some of the best um, teaching years of my life at the beginning because, you know, Regent Park is a really dynamic community. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I have a lot of, um, you know, respect for the community and uh, the challenges that a lot of the young people there were facing at that time. Right. Uh, you go to Regent Park now, you see the gentrification of the neighborhood and how it's really changed. It's changed. To what it was when I was there. Yeah, the kids were the best. They were honestly, they were so amazing. I love those kids. Um, I learned a lot from them uh, and the challenges that they faced as young people. And uh, it was incredible. And I think that sort of that experience gave me the equity mindset that I use in my teaching career moving forward in terms of like understanding sort of systemic um you know, barriers that people have and what can we do to, to loosen those barriers for people to become successful. And I've always used that experience in my teaching career to, to be very equity minded and to understand where kids are coming from, as opposed to just giving them like the old Peter Lawrence, you're disqualified because you hung on the rim mentality. If that makes yeah. sense. If that I, makes sense. Right? I, I get where you're going with this. Right. Yeah. Like it's kind of like, you know, you know, what can we do to support kids? And mm -hmm. I, I think that those three years. And then from there, basically, I'll tell you a funny story. So um, 
how I ended up at Vaughn Secondary School mm-hmm. from Regent Park, from Nelson Mandela was like, you know, um, I was playing, uh, I had hurt my low back. I, I have a low back, a bit of a low back issue. And yeah. I had hurt my low back and I was out of work for like two or three weeks. I was sitting at home mm-hmm. and, you know, <clears throat> um, my buddies were playing in a men's league at George Brown College. Okay. And they called me and they said, Gus, like, we need a fifth guy. Like, we don't have a fifth guy. I'm like, guys, my back is no good. And I was with, you know, you, you know the guys. I was with Eddie McGarrian and Kobe okay. Nazarian, And I believe John Reed was on our team. And those that group. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I said, I can't play. And they begged me. And they said, just come to the game. All we need you to do is step on the court. And then you can sub off. We'll play with four. But the rule is you got to start with five. five. Right? Okay. So I got to the game and I ended up playing the game, but I was very ginger. Like I didn't really, I was delicate, right? Like, yeah, but wait, you were a shooter too. So were you, were you just, yeah, exactly. And actually in that game, I would just, I never went inside. I just wanted to catch and shoot and maybe play a little, we played a little zone defense and yeah. so on and so forth. And then John, John Glazakos, who is, uh, you probably remember John, he's a referee, he's got a mustache. I'll show you a picture later of him. Okay. And, and I remember John, cause he used to referee our games when we were in high school. Right? Okay. So John was the vice principal at Vaughn Secondary School. So we, we finished the game. Uh, funny enough, uh, one of our guys actually got ejected in that game. Yeah. Not me. One of our guys got ejected for saying something to the other ref. And at the end of the game, we're sitting around and I think we lost. And, uh, and John comes up to me and he said, Hey, Gus, like, do you want a full time phys ed job? And I was like, What do you mean? He's like, he goes, you're, you're a basketball guy and you're a teacher. And he goes, we just lost our basketball coach at Vaughn Secondary School. Wow. And I was like, well, John, I've been in elementary for three years. I don't really know much about high school curriculum, although I was high school trained. He's like, don't worry about it. Just come to the interview and talk about basketball. I was like, really? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> he goes, yeah. So yeah. I, I actually, uh, he goes, the interview is tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what? Like, John, I'm not ready for this. He's like, just come tomorrow, talk about basketball. You'll be fine. Yeah. So I just got my suit on, right, shirt and tie. I went to Vaughn the next day, like mm-hmm. whatever time it was. And and I had an interview. And by Monday, I, I got the call. And I was uh, I went from elementary school to to high school. High school. That's, where I, that's where I ended up at Vaughn. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, kind of the rest is history. I ended up there. Wow. Yo, I like, I like your story. But just going back for a minute, I like how you talked about your experience. Um, in Regent Park, right? So we grew up in a diverse neighborhood. So we had, you know, well-rounded background in a lot of cultures. Then you've seen that area where we can call a lot of people were in poverty and it was, there's a lot of crime in Regent Park and a lot of people had challenges. So I like how you had that um, experience growing up, which kind of prepared you for you know, your, your time at Vaughn with high school students. Yeah. Because so you know, like in my opinion, there's no such thing as a bad kid. Like I, you would never hear the word bad kid coming out of my mouth because, you know, there could be less experienced kid. There could mm-hmm. be a kid that has a bunch of things stacked up against them. So really when you peel back the layers uh, for, for a kid, you can kind of figure out what it is. Like, you know, let's say a kid gets into a fight or does, doesn't mean they're a bad kid. Mm-hmm. right it means like what is it that's causing that sort of thing and then if you can get to the root of it then you can help that young person sort of move forward mm-hmm. right um and i think that 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 experience at regent park really taught me because you know 
you, you see a kid in your class and they're so sweet and kind. And then another person looks at them like they're a really bad person. They don't want to give them the time of day, but you know them at a different level. <clears throat> and I think that's the essence of sort of being a, a person in education that has that mindset. <clears throat> I learned that in region uh, real quick, which, yeah. was really good for, which was really good for the trajectory of my career. Right. <clears throat> um, and especially in, ba- in basketball too. Right. <clears throat> I mean, cause you know, when we grew up, you know, like we were sort of like, you know, people were looking at basketball players like we were like bad kids all the time. Like, yeah, we were ready to get into trouble. Right. <laughs> yeah. like, a lot of that still exists, believe it or not. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So now tell me about your trajectory. So the foundation, your first year of Vaughn and how you built up your name now. Um, and I think I think I can say this. A lot of kids respect you at Vaughn with your skills and what you teach. And then kind of slide in how you met Andrew Wiggins. Yeah. So my first year of my first year of um, at Vaughn, I I actually ended up coaching the junior team. So they, they had brought me in to coach the senior team, but the head coach at the time, his name is AJ Sharma. AJ Sharma is a very successful coach. Actually, he's the two-time national championship coach at a women's Humber college. And I think they're actually playing like, like right now. Okay. Um, so he ended up deciding to come back. So I slid in and I took the junior team. And at that time, my 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 first uh, glimpse with one of the Wiggins kids was Mitch Wiggins. So Mitch, Mitch was the oldest of the of the six kids, right? Mm-hmm. And again, like a super kind, super nice young man, like just so pleasant to be around, but like so athletic. Mm-hmm. So I went from coaching, you know, I played in university and then I went coaching three years in elementary school and then you get to high school and then now Mitch is in 10th grade. Yeah. I don't know, sorry, not in 10th. Yeah, it was he in, I don't remember now, but, and he's just, just like, yeah, I think he was in 10th grade and he was just like banging on the rim and I was like, oh my gosh, like, you know, <laughs> it was just a cool experience, like no problem for Mitch. And then, you know, from, from starting to coach that junior team and then, and seeing his dad, Mitch, mm-hmm. come to the games in Merida. Um, you know, then like I knew Mitch from before because we used to play in some men's leagues against one another. Oh, up when he was up in Newmarket, he was doing some basketball stuff up there. Okay, um, we used to. So I knew Mitch. I knew like when he came. Okay, in, I didn't know that. Like a, a strange introduction because we we played against one another quite a bit uh, in some men's leagues, and uh, so then th- that that kind of propelled from there, right? So then, um, you know, that journey started with me coaching juniors uh, for a couple of years. Um, and then specifically for, for the Wiggins boys, then Nick came in grade nine um, yeah. and he was part of the team. And then, uh, at the time, um, I was the assistant coach, uh, to AJ Sharma for the senior program, but I was still the junior coach. So I had Nick and on my team Then Mitch moved up and then Nick moved up. And then I took over the senior program at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, AJ went on to Humber, uh, to the, to be the women's coach. And then that's where I took over the seniors. And then we ended up picking up a, a guy by the name of Josh Collins, so Mitch, Nick, and, and Josh were sort of our big three. And then we started to make some noise in the high school scene where we started to actually compete against Pickerings of the world and yeah. of the world. And then, and then when Drew came, like now we were like, like we were like the top. Yeah. yeah. And that's kind of how that started, mm-hmm. right? Like it was, it, was, it was a good four or five year process before we were able to build the program to where it needed to be. And then... You know, when we won Offsa uh, with with Drew's year, like we were like the top of the like we were like in two years we were like ninety and five. Like we hardly ever lost in those couple of years, so it was great. 
And um, do you have the scouts? Because I remember back in the days where there were scouts looking for potential players for the NBA, but first college, right, I should say, right? Because I believe um, Andrew went to Huntington Prep. But um, do you have the scouts that look out for the talent there? Yeah, like in Ontario, you mean in Ontario or at our school? Schools first. Like, do you have the scouts at the schools or didn't Ontario's and things like that? So, so, um, basically, you know, there, there has always been scouts that come to Ontario to recruit kids from the U S but traditionally, and again, I'm going kind of way back here, but traditionally it was the Phil Dixon's of the world or the Jamal McGlores of the world. You know, Mm -hmm. those guys that were, you know, really uber talented that drew that crowd in the, the greater Toronto area to recruit. But as, you know, the basketball scene in Ontario started to explode, now mm-hmm. you're getting more and more college coaches coming to the region because they know that there's a lot of talent here. Like, it's a pretty huge population in the greater Toronto area. So it attracts um, those coaches to come here. So now it's like an everyday occurrence mm-hmm. uh, where people come and scout. Um, for our time, at the beginning of the program, there was, you know, mostly, you know, Canadian universities and colleges that would come. But then as... You know, we and we did have a lot of Division One players at Vaughn before that. Okay. But the way that they recruited, you know, sometimes you had to send out film and you had to be more creative with the style of approach that you took to get a kid a uh, Division One look. But then, as you know, the game changed. Now all these guys are coming here. And when Andrew, I mean, the first day of school, when Andrew was in tenth grade, like Purdue University had had called <clears throat> the Fizet office. I'm like, what? Like Purdue's calling, and then like. I, I kid you not, like half an hour later, mm. Syracuse called and said, um, you know, a guy by the name Bernie Fine, he's like, I'm coming to your practice. <laughs> yeah. So like, I'm like, okay, we're ready to practice. Like our second practice this season in Syracuse <laughs> University is coming to watch, right? So they, yeah. they all wanted Andrew right off the bat, even, even though he was only 15 years old. Mm-hmm. So it was happening. It was mm-hmm. actually happening. And NBA people were calling too. Like a yeah. lot of NBA people were calling to inquire. And, you know, the NBA... Uh, I, I forgot what what uh, part of the, the NBA Players Association somewhere in New York had called, or I forgot what what entity of the NBA it was, and I was like, what, "What's going on here?" Right? Like, yeah, yeah. it was insane for me because it was all new to me at that mm-hmm. time, right? So I never had to experience something like that before. Mm-hmm. So it was cool. Yeah, and tell me about some of the talent now that's coming up. If I throw a name to you, let me know if you you coached him or anything. Nikhil Alexander, is it? He went yeah. to school with my daughter, I believe. Wow, and yeah, and then, quick story. I remember Nikhil wanted Andrew's autograph. So one day I went to the house and I got the autograph for him and he was so happy. And then what do you know, <laughs> later on, this guy's being scouted and now he's in the NBA. But did he? Did you cross paths with, with him? Not only not only did I cross paths, but Nikhil went to our school. I don't know if you oh, knew he, that. Oh, when it was Vaughn? Yes, yes. Okay, I didn't. I don't think I knew yes. that. Mm-hmm. Yes, so, so Nikhil... Nikhil, um, there, there's like a family connection between the Alexanders and the Walkers. <clears throat> and they, some of them had gone to Vaughn. So, you know, Dinjil Walker was one of the relatives of Nikhil and he played for me. Dinjil played for three years before moving on to a prep school in the United States. And, mm-hmm. uh, <coughs> excuse me. And I recruited Nikhil when he was in uh, seventh and eighth grade because okay. he was like super talented and he was like, he loved the game. Like he had a great personality 
And, you know, Vaughn at the time was like the place to go to for, for high school yeah. basketball. So Nikhil came and he played a couple of years of junior. He played about a, uh, not even about a quarter of a season for me at senior. Mm-hmm. And then he, de- he ended up uh, transferring to a prep in, in the United States, which was good for him. Um, okay. It allowed him to, to get to that, that next level, which he was seeking. So, yeah, I know Nikhil well. Mm-hmm. Uh, his mom actually did an interview at our school a couple of weeks ago. Um, okay. So I got to talk to her again. And, yeah, yeah we, know them, we know them quite well. Um, yeah. Great kid. And yeah. <laughs> super fun to be around and, you know, uh, really, really hardworking. So, yeah, I do know Nikhil. And that's pretty cool that he went to the same elementary school. Yeah. As that's really cool. A lot of connections. So, I, you know, I got a question for you, Gus, man. What would you like to be remembered by as a coach with your former players? Honestly, like, I, I don't care about accolades. Mm-hmm. I don't care about wins. I don't care about any of that stuff. I, what I do want to be remembered uh, as a coach is a decent human that, um, you know, had their best interest at heart. Yeah. Um, and oftentimes, like, I feel like, you know, people's egos get in the way of, of their coaching decisions. And I try to always put mine to the side. Mm-hmm. to do what's best for, for the, the player and the kid. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that's why I've maintained sort of the culture of our program at the school to be uh, not run as a business. So we don't run it as a business. None mm-hmm. of the coaching staff gets paid. Mm-hmm. Um, we do it as a school-based program because it oh. gives kids an opportunity to play sports at a, at a reasonable cost. And, um, you know, I, that's what, that's the most important thing to me is to have relationships, uh, with those guys. Uh, I don't really care about the rest of it, to be honest with you, like wins and games and all that. That's all fine. Like no one wants to lose games, but that at the end of the day, it doesn't, that doesn't matter. It's, you know, do you have a good relationship with those kids and do they, do they value the stuff that you try to help them with? And, um, at the same time, never try to take advantage of their success and yeah. your success. Like, I think, again, that's another one that. You know, people do. They try to they try to latch on to a successful guy, and that, he's my guy. And they, no, they're not. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're their parents' guy. Yeah, yeah. That, that kid's, that, that's their family, right? That that sort yeah. of mentality. And I think if you can do that, mm-hmm. you know, you can have like long lasting relationships because people know that you know you're a decent human being and that you value them as a human, not not necessarily as a basketball player, mm-hmm. right? So yeah, important. Yeah. So. I'm going to ask this now, and I think you kind of answered it, but I'd like to hear from you. What is the most important contribution you've made on the youth you've coached? Uh, the, the most important contribution that I've made as a youth, youth coach? On the youth, on the, on the kids that you've coached. What would you say? Yeah, I mean, I think it's something to, similar to, to what I always said, like, you know, having, you know, it's, it's, it's more of the, like the day-to-day process that's the most important thing as opposed to like any one particular moment Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day you can't really make change in one moment like it's the day-to-day grind it's the it's the phone call as to like why are you not in class it's the you know you do better like you know why did you argue with your teacher like why like it's those day-to-day things that i think are the most important factors for the contribution for young people yeah it's not the one-offs it's not the glamour when the lights are on it's it's those day-to-day interactions that i feel like are, are the most important thing like um you know in terms of any one moment i mean there are just so many moments that i feel like impact kids like for example 
like when we run our alumni game, right? Like that is a very powerful moment for kids because they come back. All these alumni come back and they're like 32 years old and, and yeah. they're still dunking the ball. And it's like, you know, the 14-year-olds are looking at it. The 16-year-olds are looking like, wow, there's a, a great culture here. So like that would be an example of one moment. But, yeah. but that's not like it doesn't work in on it itself, right? I, I yeah. feel like it's more of the day-to-day stuff that is, is most impactful for young people. Mm-hmm. If they know you, if you know that the, if they know you have your their back for them, mm-hmm. they're going to run through a brick wall for you. Mm-hmm. If they if they don't if they know that you're doing it for yourself and you're just kind of you know using them for like your own kind of goals, yeah, um, it's not it's not going to work out. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. And you know I've interviewed a lot of people and I always ask this question because sometimes I think people need words of inspiration. Someone might be on the point of giving up. So do you have any words to share for someone that is ready to give up? And when I say that, it could be in anything, their career, basketball career, uh, professional career, anything, trying to be an entrepreneur and getting out there. But because of where you come from, do you have any words to share that someone's at that point of giving up? I do. I think it's, so it's a combination of things. I think it's important to have a goal and to write it down. Um, you know, so let's say, say if you're an entrepreneur or a basketball player, and I'll give you the example of a basketball player, because that's the kind of the world I live in. But let's say your goal is to make it to the NCAA. Okay. Okay. So writing down your goal is the first step, but that cannot be your only mentality. So you can't say like, you know, I'm going to be an NCAA player or bust because what you're doing right now is you're, you're thinking about the future, <clears throat> but then there's an entire process that goes into getting to that goal. So I find a lot of disappointment and failure in basketball players. And I, you could probably make the same argument for people in, in their career and in their, in the world is that there, there's a mountain there and that they want to get to the top, but they're forgetting that they have to actually climb the mountain to get there. And if you focus on climbing the mountain, I feel like mentally you'll be in a better position to a not have as much pressure on yourself to get to the pinnacle because you're so focused on getting there that it makes the process much more enjoyable. So for people that are going through challenging times, especially basketball players, sometimes you got to get them to refocus on their priority and their priority could be just to win that day. And if they win that day, you know, and they win the next day, then all of a sudden they're in a much more positive space. And um, one of the things that I tell people all the time is like, you know, you want to water, you know, the flowers, don't water the weeds. Wow. If you're constantly looking at the pinnacle, like you're thinking only about that. And if things don't go your way, then you're really watering those weeds. And mentally, you're just going to be in the shambles Mm -hmm. as compared to like, you know, winning that day and trying to get better each and every day to get there. It's just a much more positive mentality. And I I feel like that you can make that application for any uh, facet of life. That's one of the ways that we use kids and coach them up. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. Oh, man. So, Gus, uh, we come to the point in the interview where I have two cards here. You're going to, by my hands, you tell me which one you want me to read. And we'll have you answer it. By my hands, right or left, which one do you want me to read? I'll go with right. What is one of the most memorable moments of your life? Wow. Okay, that's pretty powerful. Um I, I would say one of the most memorable <clears throat> moments of my life is when my son was born um, because that was like, 
uh, like a very awe-inspiring moment, like where it's just like you, it's you and your wife and you're starting a, a, a life together. And then all of a sudden here's this human that's just being delivered in your lap. And I, I remember that, that those feelings. And then that really um, <clears throat> kind of takes your love to an, another level as a person. Mm-hmm. So I would probably say that that was, you know, the most inspiring. And then obviously like then your, your second child is more like I have two kids and, yeah. and those really shape uh, who you are. And it really takes your life into a completely different <clears throat> angle. So yeah. I, I would say that that was probably the one that was the most impactful for sure. Nice. Thanks for sharing. And before I get into the bloom pot, because we're going to donate, I'm going to donate to a charity today. Okay. But um, the kid, you're, you're training your kids basketball, right? I seen you uh, Instagram post of your son, I think, shooting, man. It looks like he's going to be a shooter, man. Well, I hope I hope so. Like he's working hard every day to, to try to improve his skills. And I, I think that, uh, you know, it's just, like I said, there's a mountain, right? Yeah. So there's all this piece. So how hard you want to work and how hard you want to climb mm-hmm. to get to where you need to go. And that's the difference, right? So but hopefully, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right, Gus. Okay, we come to the point in the interview. I have three balloons in my hand. Uh, season three, this is episode three. So the charities for this season, um, it's Claws. Claws. Claws is um, a volunteer group of people that help out uh, strayed, abandoned animals in the Kawartha Lakes area in Ontario. Okay. Autism Ontario. And also I have CAMH, Center for Addiction and Mental Health. So again, by my hands, which balloon do you want me to pop? Okay, okay. And then let me know too. I like to contribute to whatever you contribute to. So you let me know after the show about that. Appreciate it. Great. Uh, let's go with, the, let's stay with the, the right theme. Let's go with the one on your right. <clears throat> Season three, episode three. The third charity that Star Scorpio is donating to is oh this is the second time claws claws all right you let me know after the show too peter i will and i appreciate that because um z who i interviewed our friend z from back in the days when i interviewed him djing he actually contributed to he matched my donation awesome i'm i appreciate you coming out today this is episode three in the books and we out.